and it's an interesting thing, and I often reflect on this um, with, with my my kids, um, my, my kids, they're teenagers now. But uh, I talk a lot to them about commitment uh, and the importance of, of being fully committed to something, like fully committed to a career, fully committed to a hobby, fully committed in a relationship, and uh, or fully committed to studying if, you, if that's what you're doing. And there's a real, there's a huge difference after you're fully committed. It's not marginal, it's it's major. Like if you're fully committed to learning something and you'll leave no stone unturned, but you want to be the best in the world at understanding this and you're fully committed, your life will dramatically change. Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, night shift emergency physician, burnout thriver and wellness champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory, MD. See you there. There. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom Tribe. This is Dr. G, and we are back for another exciting episode of Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. And I am always excited when there is someone on the show who is from this side of the world, because, you know, I have a special affinity for this side of the world. And so today we have Peter Anthony, and he is hailing from Aussie land. So tell us about yourself, Peter, and what you are up to. Hey, good morning, Shaman. Good morning, listeners. Well, good morning for us, at least anyway. Uh, I'm up to talking to people about overcoming the fear of having the conversations they're not having. And that's those conversations could be the ones that make the biggest difference in their lives. So that's what I'm up to. Awesome. So now we love to get the backstory. We love to get to why is it you're even focused on this? How did you get there? All that good stuff. So we want you to spill all the tea, Peter. We want to know all about that. Okay. okay. Well, it's really, as, as most things are, this is, it's all my mom's fault because when I was very young, I would have been about five or six years old. Uh, my mother came from a huge family and every Sunday she invited her her brothers, my uncles over and, and their children, the house would be full of people. And I was pretty antisocial and I just wanted to stay in my room and read my books and not talk to people. And my mum was always encouraging me to come out and, you know, talk to your relatives, they're your uncles, they're your cousins, come and talk to them. And I was really reluctant. I wasn't nasty. I didn't dislike people. I was just really shy, a really shy little kid. And she said, come out and talk to them. And I eventually did come out and um, I got to know my Uncle Harry, who I loved. And what I found was that if I just asked Harry a question, he would start telling me great stories, which I really enjoyed. They were funny, they were entertaining, they always had a message. And I thought, well, this is really interesting. Like I was really uh, literally afraid. I was scared of being around people, of talking to people. But I found if I did 
start connecting. When I was young, it was just about asking questions. Uh, I found that I got a lot of enjoyment out of it and they got enjoyment out of having me as their company. So it really went back to her. That was that was how it all started. Nice. I then uh, obviously I got older. I uh, did a, a marketing and communications degree. Uh, spent a lot of time making television commercials back in the day when we had we had real television commercials. Then I started um, consulting uh, and uh, and coaching people in uh, in influencing and, and selling. And I found that a lot of this traditional selling didn't work either uh, because when customers felt like they were being sold to, they got afraid. And if people were in sales roles, they didn't like it either. So I was struggling to find a way to get around that uh, that issue. And after running workshops for 20 years in 12 different countries, I developed a way of doing this. I developed a way of helping people understand how to have those conversations. So that's that's where I am now, if you like. Oh, that's awesome. And so did you go back and tell your Uncle Harry that he was your inspiration? <laughs> I did. I told him. I told him it was. Uh, he, he still cracks me up. He. I, I said to him. I told him what I was doing, and he said, um, "So what do you do for a living again, Peter?" I said, "I. I teach people to talk to each other." And she, and he said, "And they pay you for that?" And I said, "Yeah, they pay me." And he was like, he laughs and laughs. He thinks it's so funny because he just thinks he thinks talking is such a natural thing because he's. He's from the. He's what we call a bushy. He's from country New South Wales. He okay. was uh, he was a lumberjack through most of his life. As all his family, all my mother's family, uh, all the men spent their time cutting trees down. So he would go to the forest, chop down trees, talk to all his mates, and he thought talking was a really natural thing. He didn't realise that some people have a real struggle with it, particularly with a difficult issue or a challenging issue or a challenging person. He didn't. That didn't enter his mind that that was an issue. But he's he's still alive and kicking. He still tells great stories. Still the same stories, unfortunately. Oh, is it really? <laughs> so now you can actually like, finish the sentences. <laughs> I can almost finish the sentences. But the bizarre thing, I don't know whether you know people like this. Some people can tell you the same story, and it's still funny, even though you've heard it a hundred times. It's like a great joke or listening to a great song. You can hear it. And you think, yeah, I, I still really love that. And he's the sort of person who's, whose laughter is infectious. Oh, that's So awesome. when he starts laughing, because he tells the funny stories and he starts laughing and you start laughing and then it's it's a great time. Oh, it's that's fantastic. genuinely a great time to, yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. Sounds like Uncle Harry is quite the character. <laughs> he is, he is. And and he and, and, he and my mum are really close and I, I love my mum dearly and it's, I, I really... I really treasure that relationship that they have. I think what a cool relationship, a brother and sister that have been like best friends their entire lives and they really love each other and care about each other and help each other. I think that's that's really cool. That's a, a lovely relationship to have. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And so, um, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about how you, um, how did you transition from doing commercials and things like that and, and um, the advertising situation. So you you obviously went ahead and got some advanced training in that because it sounds like you did a marketing yes. degree, you said, right? 
And then um, from there, springboarding into actually, you know, practicing what you learned. But then how did you make the transition then to applying the skills that Uncle Harry, you know, (laughs) kindled within you to that craft? Like, how did you to get to the point where you're coaching people? Like, how did that happen? Well, that was, that was, it wasn't by design. It was almost by accident. I mean, I was, I'd worked in advertising for many years. Uh, this is back in the days when advertising agencies were very wealthy and had huge multinational clients. And there was a rule in advertising then that uh, you had, uh, for each person you employed, you needed a million dollars worth of advertising billings. So if you wanted 20 people, there's $20 million, 100 people, $100 million and so forth. And one of the biggest clients that I was running at the sta- at that stage of my career, they internationally realigned with a different ad- uh, advertising agency group. So myself and 20 of my colleagues were all fired. Oh, my gosh. All of us, right? We're all just we're all just told, look, uh, the client has has realigned internationally, so you've no longer got a job. So oh my, thought, okay, this is interesting. I, I was uh, I was devastated because I love what I did. I, I love the work. I love making ads. I love that whole influencing piece you have in consumer behavior. And uh, I they gave us what they call an outplacement consultant, like someone that helps you find another job. Okay. So I went to this outplacement consultant. And the first thing she said was, look, Peter, you've got to write down the names of 100 people that you know, and you've got to ring them, ring each of these 100 people, and you've got to tell them what's happened and ask for their advice. And I thought, gee, I feel really ashamed. I don't really feel like telling 100 people I've just been fired. (laughs) It's like the sort of thing I don't really want to broadcast. Right. It wasn't my fault. It it, It happened. It happened to me, not because of me. Anyway, so I, I made my list out. I was catching up a coffee with all these people. I was feeling really sick because I was spending most of the day catching up and having coffee with these people. And then I came across a, a person, 14 or 15 on the list, a good friend of mine called Tracy. I sat down with Tracy at a coffee. I said, Trace, what's happened? I've been fired. My consultants told me I've got to call 100 people. I'm sorry, you're 14 on the list. She said, why wasn't I earlier on the list? I said, oh, look, I'm sorry. You were just 14 <laughs> randomly on the list. She was really annoyed at me that she wasn't earlier. Anyway, so uh, I, I said, what do you think I should do? And she said, Peter, you're a, uh, you're a natural communicator. You really love talking to people. You're really good with people. You should get in the communication business. And she said, just by chance, I know someone that runs one of the biggest communication consultancies. I'll ask him to catch up with you. I said, oh, would you? She said, yeah, yeah, so cool. So I told my outplacement consultant, he's, oh, that's really good. That's how it's supposed to work. Like you're just, you know, three degrees of separation away from the people that you need to talk to. And he was really excited. That's really good. Oh, wow. So I went and met the, I went and met the, um, I went and met the, um, the guy that ran the the big consultancy here. It turns out an old school buddy of mine was there too. So I joined this company and I I learned how to uh, coach and run workshops uh, in influencing at the same time, I did a, a master's in communication to get the academic part right. Uh, and then I started running workshops. I did. I worked for them uh, for seven years. Okay. And they sent me to America, of all places, the US, right? I know, right? And they said, look, <laughs> <laughs> we, want you, we want you to go to Chicago and open, open an office in Chicago. 
And uh, we had a couple of big clients, SC Johnson uh, and Wrigley were both in Chicago. Okay. So I flew to Chicago. I had this, I was going to start the office there. I met with SC Johnson. I met with Wrigley. They said, great, you guys can start working here. We'll be your foundation clients. I thought, oh, that's great. It was yeah. freezing cold. It was winter. It is really it cold. Really- I was like, wow, of all places, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't experienced cold like that. Like it was just like, I got oh, back really- on the plane. To come come back to to Manly where I live, which is warm and sunny and that cold is like sixteen degrees Celsius, right. and I thought, why would I go all the way to Chicago to start an office a business for these people and make like five percent of what I'm what I'm generating for them? Why wouldn't I do it for myself? Ah, why wouldn't I do it for me? If if, if I've got all this, if it's me that's doing it and starting this business in Chicago, look, not against anyone from Chicago. Right, right, never, Chicago, never, never that. But the weather is chilling. It, <laughs> it is cold and it's a long way from home for me, yes. right? A long way. So I came back. I thought in, a, in that plane trip, I just decided I was going to do it for myself. I thought, look, I know the business, know how to do this. I've been doing it now for seven years. I understand how to run workshops and, and do the tribe. And I, so I... Uh, so I, I resigned and they said, look, um, you can't approach any of your clients. I said, okay, I'll start my business. So I just called my clients. I said, I can't approach you. Oh, nice. But if <laughs> I'm not approaching you, but if you want to approach me, here's Feel my free. phone number. You're free to call <laughs> me. Fortunately, and, and this was this was in 1998, this happened a long time ago. Unfortunately, three of them called me back and wanted me to work with them, which is very cool. And two of them are still clients now. Oh, that's fantastic. After all those years. Yeah, because I, I, I take those relationships extremely seriously. Yeah, yeah. So I, I believe those commercial relationships are incredibly important. So that's a long stop. That's how it Oh, all. that's fantastic. It wasn't like... Like a lot of these motivational speakers say, you know, just, you know, set the intention and then it all, un- it doesn't unfold like that. It just, it unfolds in the right way, yeah. but not usually the way you think it's going to unfold because there's something else going on, I think. Yeah, yeah. That makes the dominoes fall the way they should fall for you. And that's, my dominoes weren't in Chicago. My dominoes were, were local. Uh, although funnily enough, I ended up going back to Chicago and doing some work there uh, <laughs> by myself. Oh, for on your own though, or for your own company? I'm 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 my own, yeah, I'm my own. Oh, see, there's a difference there, you know. And then so that's that's, (laughs) oh yeah, big time, you know. So it's it's interesting. I love that you said this. Like you were like, wait a minute, I'm going here. You guys have enough confidence in me that I'm gonna go here and establish a new branch of your company. Why wouldn't I do that for myself? (laughs) I think that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it took me the whole. It took me the whole plane trip to have that conversation with myself. Um, yeah, and I, I went. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll back myself. I'll, I'll do this. And sometimes I think you get that feeling as sort of an inner sense. Um, I think there's. Um, I remember reading a quote from Carl Jung uh, many years ago, uh, that the very famous, like the founder of modern uh, psychology, and he said, um, "There's an inner self." that beckons you on a call to adventure. There's an inner part of you. Like there's a part of you that that is calling you not on any adventure, but on your adventure. And each of us mm-hmm. have got like a unique adventure to live. And when you when you connect with that inner self, when you sort of connect with her or connect with him, uh, you know what the right path is. 
like you you know the right relationship or the wrong relationship, you know, the right friends, the right job, the right people. You meet them and you feel like you can, it's almost instant. You get a sense that, yeah, I like this person. I like this. I like this business. I like this job. I like this role. And only you know that. No one else can tell you. It's um, it's really interesting. I, I was doing some work at a, um, at a, I wouldn't say where, um, at a big university in Asia. And a lot of the, the kids there, and by kids, I mean like 18, 19, 20 year olds, they've got big issues because they're, they are there because their parents want them there. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. the, they're, they're living out their parents' dream or, and they're, a lot of them are very unhappy in, in what they're doing and they're trying to change track because they're not listening to that inner, inner voice or that inner hero. Uh, and it's that's your adventure. I think that's one way of, if I think about overcoming fear, I don't think you ever completely overcome it. I, don't, I think it's always you get a sense of it. But if you can reframe it and say, hey, this is not this is this is the fear or the feeling I get when I'm embarking on something new. And this is this is the next leg of my adventure. And I, I feel that in my bones. And then you can go forward. That's that's my experience of it. It never actually goes away. No, doesn't. It. <laughs> no. And, and I don't I don't like these motivational speakers. Oh, yeah, you can overcome it and you can walk on fire and you can do all these things and it goes away. No, it doesn't go away. And in fact, if you believe it goes away and it doesn't, you feel worse. Yeah. When you yeah. when you feel it again, but it's definitely still there. It just it just changes, and it's a different sort of message you're getting. That's they're my thoughts anyway. Not that I'm a expert in this. I'm just one guy that's lived to lived the life so far. So I know that. I mean, at least from what you're saying, it sounds like on that plane ride, you did have some fear though, because you probably were like, wait. Okay, you came to the realization that you could do this for yourself versus doing it for others. And then then you realize probably that, wait, if I do that, then what am I going to do? What clients am I going to utilize? Like, how will I get this going? Like, there had to be, like, some fear there, right? But it sounds like you took that feeling and you turned it into you choosing your adventure, like fuel for that. Yeah. Yeah. And Charmaine, I think it's really interesting. There's a, um, a one thing I realized because I reflected on that, on that, uh, that trip quite a lot. So it was obviously a big turning point for me. And one of the things I've realized is um, the answers you give to the what if question are really important. Because as I was flying back, I was thinking, what if the clients say no? Then I'm really snooking, right? But but what if they say yes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what if the, what, what if they say yes? And, and then it's it's almost as if there's a in your own mind there's an optimist and a pessimist having a conversation with in your own head, <laughs> in my head, but insane <laughs> to say that. And uh, it's often I think when you're feeling most fearful. It's often the more pessimistic voice that's telling you you're not big enough, smart enough, strong enough, whatever enough right. to do that next step. And it, it sort of constrains you. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's 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 use it's useful to get more in tune with that more optimistic voice. I don't mean the like crazy risky. No, voice, no, not at all. Totally uh yeah, I totally get that, you know. Cause I mean because yeah. I don't I, I don't know, I don't know about you, but like I grew up with those cartoons. With the two, uh, the two characters on the shoulder of each of each character, yeah. little devil, little angel, yeah. you know, yeah, that that's real, <laughs> that is real, 
Because you have that, as you oh, said, the, the pessimist the, and the optimist kind of going at it. And it's, you know, it's it's kind of like up to us to make sure that the optimist is the one that fuels us versus the other. Yes. And you've got to give the optimist a chance because it's like, well, what if the client said no? What if they said yes? We'll give them a chance to say yes. And they can't say yes if you don't ask them for the, for the business. They can't say yes. So that's never going to happen. Uh, and uh, fortunately for me, uh, it worked. And I was so grateful for them saying yes that I worked much, much harder for them after that. I, I was... And it's an interesting thing, and I often reflect on this um, with, with my my kids, um, my, my kids, they're teenagers now. But uh, I talk a lot to them about commitment uh, and the importance of, of being fully committed to something, like fully committed to a career, fully committed to a hobby, fully committed in a relationship, and uh, or fully committed to studying if you, if that's what you're doing, and there's a real there's a huge difference after you're fully committed. It's not marginal. It's it's major. Like if you're fully committed to learning something and you'll leave no stone unturned, but you want to be the best in the world at understanding this, and you're fully committed, your life will dramatically change. It's the same as if you're fully committed to a loving relationship and you're both all in. It it changes completely. It's a different ballpark. You're in a different a different planet. Uh, or if you're in a commercial relationship and some and you're fully committed, and they sense that they know you're fully committed because you're answering emails at five o'clock in the morning. You're you're there early. You're fully primed. You're fully prepared. Uh, they know you're committed. They can feel it. You know you can't fake commitment. And I, I, I love seeing sometimes, somehow, uh, when I'm on TikTok, sometimes I see these bizarre relationship experts that or experts that sort of give mm. you tips on on uh, on how to say a line or do this or what she means. But that's that's all that's all a big game. And just just be fully, just be all in. And that's that's one way to uh, to I guess deal with the fear make once you make that decision that means action no that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> i think that that is uh yeah you're right i mean that is that is something that is uh, it can basically it applies to everything <laughs> everything you know your career your relationships like you mentioned your own path i mean yeah being fully committed i love that yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same. It's it's in um, like romantic relationships. It's the same. I mean, if you're, um, I don't think you should be fully committed to a, like an abusive or toxic relationship. But no, no. if you're with someone that you care about and you feel as if they care about you, what I found, uh, it took me a while to learn this. By the way, it wasn't just an instant, an instant thought. What I found when I was with someone and I made her feel like I was fully committed to her the whole relationship changes and you open up a whole new world um, of possibility than if you're sort of on the, on the edge, not sure. Mm -hmm. no? Well, if not sure, you know, you can't be not sure indefinitely. <laughs> you've got to be sure at some stage. <laughs> you, you you'll be, be forced, you'll be forced one way or another to make a decision about that. <laughs> I know. Like, but it's the same as like a hobby or like, or, a, or a, something you're studying. You're going to be like, how long, how long is it going to take you to understand that you like this or that you, this is something you can commit to or not. I mean, you can't live in that no man's land. Yeah. 
you, you've got to either be one uh, one or the other. It's uh, that's my theory, at least, anyway. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that is globally applicable. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Dr. G, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have you here with me. Did you know that I can help you to get your own podcast started? With my podcasting launch course for professionals, I walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast. I'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done for you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the behind the scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Oh, if you already have a show and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. And and then and then what I've learned what I've learned professionally is that because um, most of most of what I do is working with uh, business people, helping them talk to each other. And most of the most of the most challenging conversations they have are the ones they don't have. Mm. They don't have them because they're scared of having them. They're just so scared that they they never have them. And not having them does more damage than than having them, or at least attempting to have them. And it's extraordinary how often that's happening. It's extraordinary how often people aren't having the conversations they know they need to have when they need to have them and they just and the delay by itself causes more problems yeah because if you had to have a conversation say in february uh and it's now november <laughs> that's another almost entire year you haven't had it and it, that's mm-hmm. going to make it harder to have when you do have it because you've delayed mm-hmm. it for so long and when you think about fear you think well the things i delay are the things i'm scared of and the longer i delay them the bigger I'm making the monster, right? Mm-hmm. And as we know from all the fairy tales, usually the biggest dragons and the biggest monsters are guarding the biggest treasures and all those great fairy tales. Uh, so uh, it's 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 uh, it's awesome because I ask people, I say, look, just uh, when you attend one of the workshops, just bring a conversation that you uh, you are struggling with or you can't have, and we won't we won't talk theoretically. We'll you know we'll apply it real life in the room. And it's lovely watching them. Like so, they're so relieved. They, oh wow, this does work. This is this is really cool. It's and it's a it's a lovely way to spend a day because you think, wow, I've just helped ten people have conversations they they don't have, and and I know their lives will be dramatically better. So it's a lovely way to hang out. Not as fantastic because I didn't I didn't I didn't tell you my real secret though. I've, I've got a confession to make, Charmaine. Oh, what's that? What's that? My, but my real secret is that um, I don't work for myself. I work for the universe. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Because and what I find is that when I work for the universe, the universe works for me. Like, if, mm. And I, I feel as if if people are looking for, I'm sure you felt this too, like people are looking, they're hoping, they're praying, if you like, for something to change. And if you can be a small part of making that happen for them, yeah. um, 
you're answering, you're working for the universe. And then in, in, in a bizarre sort of way, the universe works back for you, but yes. from a different direction. Mm-hmm. It's, it comes at you from a different, a different space. Yeah. And what I mean, like it might, like if I help them, maybe my daughter will do well at school or like yeah. they'll come back in a different no, I, I fully I fully agree with that because I've seen it manifested in my own life. And so, yeah, no, I, I'm a firm believer in that. I, fe- I feel my personal belief is that the energy that you, you know, give off, you know, so if you are fully committed, using your words, yes. to positive yeah. energy release, right? So that can be in, in a lot of different forms. So, you know, for you, your superpower is helping people with conversations that they're, they're fearful of and helping them to go get that breakthrough. So that is your way of providing the positive energy to the universe. And in return, like you said, you know, it manifests, however, in your life in a positive way. And for me, like, you know, I, I'm a listener, like that is part of what I do. And um, I have found that by just listening, I have been able to help lots of people have their own breakthroughs, you know, and as a result of that, a lot of positive things have occurred in my life. So I am definitely a believer in the universe and how the energy that you put out into it is returned to you. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it is interesting that that curative power of listening or the curative power of, of caring. Because listening is, you could translate listening to caring. Because if you're genuinely there for somebody and listening to them, there is a strong element of care in that. And there's, a, and I believe there's a there's a curative aspect of care. That when when someone feels cared for, it can be curative, like emotionally curative, even physically curative. I mean, I, I did some some work a few years ago. I was asked to um, to work with some GPs, some um, some doctors. Uh, on on their influencing skills on their patients, right? And uh, what they're finding was that there's obviously there's a placebo effect, which arguably has somewhere between forty and seventy percent of the impact of a medication or a treatment is Absolutely. how much the patient believes it's going to work. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a lot a lot of that what they're finding was a lot of that's based on the relationship between the patient uh, and the medical professional. Uh, and I was asked to come and work with these specialists and these GPs to help them build a, a better relationship with their patients as a healthcare provider so that they could elicit more uh, placebo effect or more, more outcome. And mm-hmm. a lot of it, it really boiled down to this. It boiled down to um, if the patient felt like um, the medical professional doctor specialist uh, understood what they were saying, uh, they regarded that that uh, interaction as being effective. So if I feel as if if you're, you're my medical professional, you're my doctor, I feel like you've got a unique understanding of my needs. That of itself, I feel better. I've got a better relationship with you and what you recommend is likely to work better or the placebo effect will be more strongly elicited. So even at, a, at like a, a biological level, this can work. It can be physically curative as well as emotionally curative. Like a lot of counselling is about just caring and listening and being there. And that that caring and listening in a counselling setting is often curative, often by itself, no matter what particular method the counsellor is using. It's, it, it works. So it's it's amazing the different levels this 
that operates under. And the more, one of the things I love about it is the more I dig into it, the deeper it gets, which I really love. Because people can say, how can, how can you spend 20 years of your life studying conversations? That's easy. I'm only halfway. There's so much, there's so much here. There's, you know, it's it's awesome. And it's also the relationship, right? Like if, if you think about the relationships that you have, the ones that you really love are the ones, the people you love talking to. And when they're, Absolutely. whether that's friends or a romantic relationship uh, and the ones when they're in trouble, it's like you can't talk to them or, or the, the conversation sort of drops. It's it's interesting barometer that you can look at and say, hey, this is, I, I really love being with this person because I love talking to them. I had a great conversation this morning with a, a friend of mine I swim with. Uh, and he was telling me about this um, this free diving course he just went on. And before the, when the course said to hold their breath, and he held his breath for four and a half minutes. And he said, and he said, uh, this is before that, because the dive took three and a half minutes down and back up again. And he said he just felt completely transformed after he held his breath for four and a half minutes. And he was telling me about this. I thought, wow, this is really cool. I love this guy. Marco is really cool. And I loved learning about that from him. And, and it sort of deepened our relationship again. I, mean, I, I really love the guy, but I thought this is really cool. It's and it's just conversation. It's just me asking questions and listening to what he's saying. Yeah. And now I'm sharing it with you and your listeners. Yeah, that's fantastic. No, it's great. I'm envisioning Marco and holding his breath for four and a half minutes. <laughs> and yeah, then going a, for a, a dive a, and coming back up. A, and... a free dive, a free dive straight down. Um because we, we both love the ocean, both swimmers, we both do scuba diving and a lot of a lot of Australians, we love a lot of us love the ocean. We're in it on it in some way. Uh, and we're both similar in that respect. But I haven't done free diving and I've held my breath for four and a half minutes, but I might give it a try. Hey. <laughs> but you do it in a pool first and then and then oh, like, okay. once you've done it in a pool. But he said it he said it sort of just opened up a whole new I don't know, he just felt like transformed. That's just a conversation. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's like, um, there is a mental, comp a huge mental component to that, right? I mean, I don't know. I just remember, yeah. you know, in uh, like some lessons here, um, the co the coach will always say, "Hold your breath," but I mean, she doesn't say hold it for that long, obviously. But you know, still, you're holding your breath. You're well. I don't. It sounds like he did this prior to actually going in, but you know, she would have us hold our breath underwater. And she'd just be like, okay, submerge, hold your breath, see how long you can do it for. And it's very yeah. mental. Like it is very like, okay, when does my body feel like it has to breathe? And then, you know, yeah. you have to talk yourself out of it if you're going for a longer goal, right? So I could see yeah, how yeah. it could be very transformative because it's it's a yeah, huge yeah. like, um, mind over matter type of thing, right? I mean, your 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 body's telling you it's kind of like if you do long distance running. I'm not a long distance runner, by the way, but I'm just saying, like, I could imagine <laughs> for me, running three miles is like long distance, and it's it's challenging. And I know I have friends who do like you know 50ks or whatever, but you know, I I appreciate the mental work that is at play there because your body is saying, at least my body is saying, right around a mile. My body's saying, uh, it's time for you to stop. Let's, let's stop this foolishness. <laughs> but you have yeah, to yeah, tell yeah. your body to continue because you know that you have the ability to do it. It's just that you do face a wall. You know, everybody's wall is different. But like, it's it's a huge, like, 
mental stretch to go yeah. beyond your wall and bring out your best, right? Like to really push yourself. Yeah. So it's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah that you exactly. Do that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm I'm interested too, just just in language too. And I'm thinking, if I say to myself, "That's my wall," that sounds like a a big thing to get over. Like walls are big; they're meant to keep you in or keep you out. I think, well, I, I don't I don't know where it is. I've got no idea. I don't know where my breathing wall is. I've got no idea how long I can hold my breath for. Absolutely not. I never tried it. So what I what Marco was suggesting, and he wants to do it again. He wants me to come with him on this free diving trip. He said, uh, just be curious about uh, where the limit is because you don't know where it is. And and obviously you're not doing it alone. You're doing it under guided instruction. There's, 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 yes. there's medically disclaimer. supervised. Disclaimer. I like it. Yeah. Holding your breath disclaimer. for four and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, so, and I'd be curious about that because I think a lot of physical records are broken by people who are curious about where the boundary is. And then I'd say, this is my wall. I wonder if I can get over it. It's more like, oh, I'm curious about how others can go and how I'm going to feel and just experience that. And what I've found, is, as I'm sure many of your listeners have found too, is that uh, when you get curious about where the boundaries are, the boundaries are usually further out than where you yes. set them. Because yeah. when you get afraid, the stress response kicks in and you get pessimistic and those boundaries come closer and closer and closer and you, you, you take less risks and all those sorts of things. Um, whereas... Uh, oftentimes being a little more optimistic and a little have a bit more faith uh in yourself that potentially that that boundary is further out but let's be curious anyway let's just find out where it is and that that might be an interesting conversation to have with yourself it certainly transformed him marco is so happy he was oh, telling me the story he was just bursting with joy just remembering the experience because i just yeah so that's that's maybe my next next trip is to um, go with Marco uh, to learn about breath holding in terms of fear, because that's yeah. a, that's a primal fear, right? Not being able to breathe. Yes, that's, it is. That gets yes. to the, indeed. That gets to the core. <laughs> that's, that's why. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not as then, yeah, I think that'd be yeah. Um, that's so. If, if you come down to Australia, you're not far away in Guam. You can drop down for a visit and go free diving with us and hold your breath for three and a half minutes yeah i'm down for minutes. that yeah absolutely apparently the limit's eight are, are uh, those one of the magicians one of the american magicians went for much much longer he went for like over an hour didn't he one of those oh my gosh american david was it david blaine he, he is able to do some things physiologically to himself to slow down things i don't know how he does yeah. it but he's able to do that kind of thing um maybe that's how come yeah. he's able to go longer but uh and yeah, it sounds like a long time. But it sounds like a long time. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy with because the free dive takes two and a half minutes. I'd be happy with three and a half if I get up with or get where Marco is. But who knows? Maybe I can go longer. Maybe not. Yeah, interesting yeah. journey to take. Yes, indeed. Yeah, indeed. I'm very curious. And so you have to. I yes, yeah. Like you've you've got me interested in that absolutely. And so um, because people here, a lot of people do they do scuba dive. Um, I haven't done it yet, even though I've been urged by all my nurses and everybody. Everybody goes. They go to Palau and they go diving yeah, all the yeah. time. But um, I've I've basically uh just recently got over my own fear of 
of snorkeling. I know it sounds weird, but I had a bad experience with a panic attack during our honeymoon when they were in snorkeling and I had to like readjust myself. So I finally faced that fear the other day um, and went snorkeling and it was a great experience. Um, They do a lot of free diving here. Um, but they go, yeah. they don't go, they go like maybe like 50 feet down. They don't go that far down. And so like, uh, but they do that just to kind of like see the, um, to see the coral, right. They just go down to like, yeah, look yeah. at the fish and whatnot. And so, um, that's probably my next attempt at things. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I highly, I highly reckon if you, if you can snorkel, you can scuba. If you can, and I, I understand fear of the water. I mean, a, a lot of people I know are uh, afraid of water and diving, and I get that. But you'll find that if you can snorkel, you can dive, you can scuba, and if you get a if you get a well uh, a well prepared program from someone like say Paddy Dive, they yeah. they train you and teach you really well, and you go and guide a dive. You always got a master there, and it's it's pretty safe. Uh, most of the, most of the time, and there's some around where you you're living. There's some beautiful reefs to explore in Asia. There's awesome reefs uh, to to get. And then when you get more experience, you can start going wreck diving and diving into boats, and that's really cool. It's like a whole different world under there. And just it, again, it just feels it feels transformative because it does feel weird being under the water. It just feels different, <laughs> and it's a whole new world. And it's it's a pain to get all the gear and the tanks and the regs and get it all set up and get in the water. It's a it's very complicated way of going for a dive. That's hugely beneficial. I love it. It's uh but there's also something about being in the ocean. It's it's also just curative. It makes you feel better, different in some some good way. I do like swimming in the ocean. I, I, I like going down to the beach and swimming I, I, I recommend it. It, it's bizarre how, how I'll tell you one, one quick story about diving. Uh, many years ago I was in um I was in Fiji uh uh, with my wife and she snorkels but she doesn't dive and uh oh, that's, oh yeah we're we twinning up, that way <laughs> <laughs> we went on the, we went on this trip on, on this diving she, she loves snorkeling i love diving we're on this trip and uh they separated the boat into snorkelers and divers and there was it for the diving there was only four people there was uh two japanese women who had just learned to um to scuba they'd just done the, their certificate and uh, um an older guy uh, from New Zealand, right? And they say, "Okay, you two are buddied up. You and the old guy, and me and the and the two the two women went uh, went together. Had one dive master. The dive master spent most of his time with the two younger women that had only just learned to dive, and that the older guy and me were basically left to ourselves. Anyway, uh, we, we're getting ready. And I said to him, "I said, mate, so how long since you had a dive?" He said, "Oh, two years ago." I said, "That's a long time." He said, "Yeah." He said, "I used to, I was in the." Um, the New Zealand police force and uh I was one of their divers uh there and I left I said what happened he said oh there was a there was a uh, a Korean boat that came into the harbour uh, in New Zealand and a fight broke out between the captain and, and the chef about the food a knife fight broke out and one of them fell overboard <laughs> allegedly dead like through the knife fight <laughs> it was in the harbour right? something okay fair enough and he said we had to go down and um, and see if we could find this this person who was presumed dead in the harbour. I said okay. <laughs> he said anyway. So after three days of diving, they found this guy in the bottom of the harbour. And he said seeing this person in the bottom of the harbour, it freaked him out so much that he hasn't hadn't had a dive since. And this is the first dive he was having since then. I'm thinking, oh, oh, oh this is, no. This is, <laughs> 
this is not a good, I hope he's not listening. Maybe he is, he should say g'day, because <laughs> we'd have a good time. Anyway, but I thought, no, I haven't died. He's obviously very experienced, an ex, you know, police diver. He knows his yes. stuff. So we, went, so we had to dive. And we're diving along like this this coral shelf. And there are all these crayfish inside the, inside the We could see them. And he took, he put his arm into, into one of the holes, pulled it out, and pushed it down his the front of his, his vest, right? And the thing's alive. It's just scratching. I'm thinking, this guy's nuts, right? This guy's crazy. Because I can see it scratching him. I got the pretty sharp claws on these things. He did it again, another one down like this, stuck it down here. I'm thinking, this guy's, I think he's seen Korean people on the water and he's he's going, he's going a bit nuts. But sure enough, we 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 got to the um we got to the surface. And I said, mate, what are you doing with those crayfish? You know, and he said, Oh, that, that's breakfast. I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna go back to the uh, you know, boil them up and have them for breakfast. Thinking this is this is like <laughs> you meet some really interesting people when you go diving. I tell oh, you, there, my there's very goodness. few <laughs> There's very few divers that you meet that are completely sane. Okay. But they're a little bit a little bit crazy in a nice way. Yeah, yeah. Totally. In, in an interesting way. And yeah. you and you meet lots of strangers because you're normally diving with strangers. You go on these dive trips and there's usually strangers with you, which is which is very cool. Another good way to overcome your fears, I guess, is go for a dive. Yeah, there you go. I have to take baby steps yeah. though. <laughs> baby steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take baby steps. But but the course does that. I mean, it's over what? three or four weeks and they gradually take you deeper and deeper and deeper and yeah it's they, they do it well they do it well yeah. Yeah, there's there's a there's a patty here um i just haven't pulled the trigger <laughs> oh, they're, they're, they're probably the, they're probably the best i mean i don't know other dive skills but i'm with patty and they're very very good i went for a refresher recently just to you know refresh my skills and get used to the new gear they've got and it's um they're, they're very very thorough very good they're a great program well that's good to know yeah that's good to know absolutely yes. Oh my gosh. Such a great conversation, Peter. So listen, you got to let the audience know how they can reach out to you if they want to hire you. Hire me. Well, they, they can do two things. They can hire me or they can um, have a look at my book um, because I love conversations. and I love the collaborative aspect of them. And I believe there's a magic in these collaborative conversations. I wrote a book called Collaboradabra, which is the magic of collaborative conversations. It rhymes with abracadabra, hence magic, collaboradabra, hence collaboration. Um, so they can find collaboradabra on Amazon and have a look at that. You can download the first chapter for free, which is really cool. Uh, second place that they can just check me out. Um, my name is Peter Anthony. The website's Peter Anthony Consulting, and that's got all my work in there. Uh, they can check me out there, or if you Google me, you'll find me on YouTube um, as well. Uh, that's Peter Anthony or Peter Anthony Consulting or Collaboradabra, the book. Uh, and you can you can learn all about this approach that took me 20 years to develop. Uh, and it's it's written like a workshop. So you can you can buy the book and like run the workshop with your friends and learn how to have these conversations, the conversations yeah. that may be getting you in the way between you and something that you really deserve having. Love it. That's great. Yeah. That is great. All right. No, that's fantastic. And then there is one more thing that we need to do, and that is the yes. fill in the blanks. Are you ready, Peter? Yeah, I'm ready. Yep. All right, here we go. I'm the first one is, if I am fearless, I will. If if I'm if I'm fearless, I will. Um, I will feel the fear and do it anyway, as Susan Jeffers would say. Yes, I love I love her with that book. <laughs> awesome. All right, the next one is to me fearless freedom means 
feels freedom means um, I I connect with people all around me all the time. And it's just about connecting. That's what fearless freedom means to me. Yeah. Awesome. And then the last yes. one is my battle cry is. This is my favorite. I'm free. I am free. And, and each word's really important. I, that's me, am, I am, I am, I am free. I'm free. I'm free. And I find it, when I feel like I'm free, I can, I can go forth and connect and collaborate and have those conversations I know I need to have and leave me and other people better off as a result, as I, as my mum taught me and my Uncle Harry taught me all those years ago. Nice, 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 nice. Uncle Harry. <laughs> I like that guy. I don't even know him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a character. He's a, he's, he can tell a story and he can, he can talk the same story and make you laugh again and again and again, even when you know the punchlines. It's just, he's just that guy. That's fantastic. He's that guy. That is, that is some far for sure. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to spend with us here on the Freedom Podcast. We really appreciate you. Love it to meet you, Charmaine. Bye, guys.